0: Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood. Welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We're continuing our our studies in the prophet Daniel. And today we're in Daniel chapters 6 and 7. And we're going to do something different in this episode. We're going to reflect on the overall context of these two chapters and how the content fits together. In Daniel chapter 6, Daniel himself, not his friends, just Daniel, was thrown into a lion's den. In Daniel chapter 7, Daniel has a prophetic dream, which ended up, being perhaps one of the five most important scripture passages in all of the Bible, maybe even the top three of all the Bible for understanding biblical prophecy. So this whole episode is a question, and here's the question. Why was Daniel thrown into the lion's den before receiving his prophetic dream? Now I need to um, issue a warning I haven't seen what I'm going to be sharing with you. Uh, I haven't seen this anywhere. And I generally read a lot of background information, and I highly distrust myself when I come up with an idea that many others haven't before me, okay? I don't think novel ideas are a great thing to go with, but this is what I'm going with. And it, uh, it struck me rather strongly, and I think there's a lesson to be learned for all of us and sometimes we go through very difficult times we think god is abandoning us or whatever and there could be some very significant reasons for it but let's launch into daniel chapter 6 daniel had been doing a great job he was appointed this really high position in this world empire after the medes and the persians had conquered the babylonians he he was put in to a top position and the other people uh, around Daniel got jealous because he was doing such an excellent job. He was an outstanding person and serving the empire, and so they got jealous and came up with an idea to get rid of him. They knew Daniel was very faithfully praying, and he would turn towards Jerusalem and pray. And by the way, Just for curiosity's sake, if you want to know why he was praying facing Jerusalem and why he did it so faithfully in 1 Kings chapter 8, starting in verse 46, it describes why. Because God says, even when my people sin and they basically get deported and they're in a distant land, if they'll turn back towards Jerusalem, and by doing that, they're turning back towards God, admit their error asking God's forgiveness in hopes of restoration, and that's what all of us do, because there's people listening to me right now that are deported, <laughs> okay? Your, your life has just turned into a chaotic mess. You, you turn in prayer towards God and ask Him for uh, forgiveness Uh, acknowledging where you went wrong and asking for his restoration. But that's what Daniel was doing. And so these jealous rulers around Daniel concocted a plan to get a law passed that if for a certain period of time, anybody in the whole empire would pray to anybody but the king. And see, here we find that same two-sided coin that we saw in the book of Revelation. We've already seen multiple times in the book of Daniel. One side of the coin is kingship. The other side of the coin is worship. And here, the king is basically taking the place of God, saying, you can't pray to any other god for this period of time except the king of kings. And of course, Daniel didn't obey it, uh, because God is first. That's why the first commandment is in existence. You put God for so Daniel prayed, and then they said, Well, King, you signed the law, and you can't change the law of the Medes and Persians. He said, Anybody pray for this period of time uh, except to you? Uh, you know, he'd be executed. So they took Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And this is more than a tale. You know, this is one of the favorite Sunday school stories. It's, this is an a historical account, and basically what you have here is a conflict to the death between who is king and therefore who should be worshipped. Is it Yahweh or some secular king? At the end of human history, it's going to be the exact same situation, not a tale, not a story, but there will be an individual who will be claiming in himself to be God, and he'll let you think you're a little God too, just so you'll either vote for him or follow his thing. That guy's name's called the Antichrist, and he's going to say, no, worldwide worship comes to me. You take a mark to acknowledge that worship, or you die. So this is the same situation, okay? Now, what does all that have to do with Daniel chapter 7? In Daniel chapter 7, he has a prophetic dream. Uh, It says that Daniel had a dream and the visions of his head as he lay in bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. And that's Daniel chapter 7. This is such an incredible passage of scripture. And it's basically the content of this dream that God gave to Daniel as a captive in Babylon. And, you know, in the Gospels, the Jesus' favorite name for himself, in other words, his identity was Son of Man. We see this several times in the Gospels, and It comes from Daniel 7, other places too, like Ezekiel, but it's the same context. And so Jesus is self-identifying himself in a rather cryptic way in the Gospels based on Daniel chapter 7. And then, my goodness, as you get to the book of Revelation, you know, I really had a toss-up. I didn't know whether to teach Daniel first and then Revelation or teach Revelation and then Daniel because... The two, I mean, we could go through Daniel 7 and then go back through Revelation, and you get so much more because the two are connected. And I'm going to be showing you, as we, in the future, go through Daniel chapter 7, I'm going to be sharing with you what took me 15 to 20 years of studying biblical prophecy to finally get it. I can show you, using Daniel 7, how you can get that same knowledge of biblical prophecy in 15 minutes, and that's when we, future episode, as we go through Daniel 7, it'll break open uh, the book of Revelation, it'll break open your understanding of biblical prophecy, and you'll see basically what's going on, and it's not going to be complicated once you understand Daniel 7. So, again, my question today, and this is a reflection, what does Daniel 6 have to do coming before Daniel 7? And to answer my own question, I turn to the Gospel of Mark. Um, I'm now turning in the radio studio, looking at a painting, and it's The Storm at Sea, recorded in in, uh, Mark chapter 4. And the Sea of Galilee can really kick up The winds go over the mountains, and kind of this downward draft comes flying down on the Sea of Galilee, and it turns into a huge storm, and of course, the disciples were out there. They were thinking, this is it. These were professional sailors. These weren't neophyte weekend sailors. These were the real deal fishermen who had lived their life, and they thought they were going down. In the meantime, Jesus is having a nap on on the stern of the boat. And I haven't uh, shown this picture or pointed it out yet to uh, Jessica, who's kindly producing this program for us. But earlier employees of Family Life Center, I would bring them by this picture. And I said, this is the picture of working at the Family Life Center, because every now and then we have some major obstacles. Major obstacles generally occur, at least in my life, before major breakthroughs, major blessings. Daniel 7 was one of the most incredible breakthroughs of God's plan for the ages to come to an individual person. I do not think it's any coincidence that just before this instance, Daniel gets tossed into the lion's den. Basically, his life was over, but his life was preserved by God so he could get to Daniel 7. Well, back to Mark 4 great storm arose, and finally the the disciples turned. Look at Jesus, and he was asleep in the back of the boat on a cushion. They woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care if we perish? And he just rebuked the wind, became a calm, and says, what are you afraid of? Don't you have any faith? But then in chapter 5, and remember, there was no chapter 5 when Mark wrote Mark. Chapter 5 was simply the next paragraph. Okay, you just keep on reading. It's a synthetic whole here, this account. It's not two uh, opposite accounts, this fierce storm and opposition right before Jesus gets off the boat, and who are the disciples met with in Jesus? The Gadarene demoniac, a man demon-possessed to the max, a man who, when he was bound with chains, would break the chains. I mean, this would make a movie that would make your hair stand on edge, okay? This was a power encounter with evil, a man that devil, the devil had had bound, and Jesus was going into full-scale spiritual warfare, and it's not a coincidence that the storm tried to keep him and the disciples from getting to that situation. So, bring this back to Daniel. Why did he get tossed into the lion's den before receiving one of the greatest prophetic dreams in all of human history, all of human history? You don't even understand world history apart from Daniel chapter 7. Well, it's because sometimes you get great opposition before great things are about to happen, Um, My friend Roy Shoman, a Jewish convert to Catholicism, wrote a book published by Ignatius Press entitled, Salvation is from the Jews. And Roy has told me personally, as well as in his book, something that perhaps only a Jewish person who understands biblical prophecy would say. Roy said, the Holocaust was a satanic attempt to thwart the end time conversion of the Jews as outlined in St. Paul in Romans chapter 11. That last sentence I just spoke is incredibly important, because if you go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, you know what section I'm going to turn to. It's probably been about 100 times in Luke 21 radio. I, I take you to the Catechism section 675, the important one, the Antichrist, all the hard stuff and everything else. But There's an important paragraph right before 675, 674. It says that the Messiah's coming is suspended at every moment in history until his recognition by all Israel. In other words, the Holocaust, one of the worst things that could ever happen to a a people. Could be, I'm not saying this has to be, but this is the way I see it, This could be the worst possible thing happening, and don't underestimate the role of Satan in the Holocaust. Yes, it was carried out by people, but they were inspired by the dark side because they knew something better than what we might be realizing, that something incredible is about to happen, that God would then bestow his grace on large numbers of Jewish people that would be a precursor to the final end times. And a catechism says the full inclusion of the Jews in the Messiah's salvation comes in the wake of the full number of Gentiles. I've done a lot of boating, and the wake is the back part, something already passed. And so there's a Gentile season of salvation, there's a Jewish season, and that season was prefaced by hard times. It, it, it occurred when Jesus and disciples were on the lake It occurred in Daniel 6 before Daniel 7, and it could be occurring in our very day. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 152 of Luke 21 Radio.